Quiet, please. Lost Talk Radio. Are you there? 
Yep, I'm here, Rex. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing really well. I, I'm uh, uh, very pleased to have you here. And uh, let me just say that that Brent is uh, an, an Emmy-nominated director, and uh, you received a commemorative Emmy for producing. And for nine years, you were a creative director at NBC Universal, creating and directing hundreds of campaigns for brands such as Coke and Uniball and the Olympics, to name just a few, and TV specials, including the Hard Rock Cafe Presents, Al Roker's Together uh, for Care and, and Eco Hollywood. And the other projects include uh, Lone is it Lone Star Trixie with Richard Dreyfuss, Playground Girls, which uh, screened at uh, MOCA during uh, the national tour of, I'm sorry, Basquiat, Basquiat, right? Jean-Michel Basquiat. <laughs> Basquiat, yeah. Uh, and the uh, African Chelsea is co-starring Sally Kirkland, uh, the trailer for the best seller cold hit starring our author uh, Stephen J. Canal and the Last Day Foundation with Ken Davian, it looks like. Did I say that right? Uh, Ken Davidian from Borat. Davidian, I apologize. And John Lovitz uh, in a documentary short for, for UNESCO and Lucasfilm starring uh, producer Frank Marshall. You've won 42 Telly Awards, two Reggies, and an Environmental Media Marketing Award. And then uh, Sally Kirkland has trained under Strasburg. We don't know if Sally's going to be here. I, I should tell the listeners. Uh, she's supposed to be here, but through a little uh, little uh, uh, mess up, we, we're not sure if she's going to be calling in or not. If not, I asked Brent if he would come back and uh, and chat with Sally in another time. So um, well, let's let's go with what we've got, Brent, and, um, and tell... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and tell me um, now the Oscar talent is there's comes up short this year. There's three leading shorts out there: The Seals, All I Know, um, with uh, Melissa Leo, A Sailcloth with uh, John Hurt, and African Chelsea with uh, Sally Kirkland, who's also uh, you know an Oscar nominee. Um, can you tell us a, a bit about this project? How you decided to do it? What it's a little bit about, and the and maybe the website that people could view it. Sure. Uh, you know, African Chelsea, right now the way it stands, uh, the three films you just mentioned, our film African Chelsea being one of them, um, the way it sits right now, there there's about uh, 5,000 made this year that, you know, have some level of professionalism that aspire to go on to bigger and better things. Right now, uh, those three films, we're a part of a group of about 76 films right now that you could call Oscar semifinalists. Basically, uh, th that batch of short films is now qualified uh, for the next round of voting, which will happen in about two weeks. And what happens is uh, the, the 76 films get cut down to 10, which is called the Oscar shortlist. Um, they just announced the documentary shortlist on uh, Friday, and a good friend of mine, Gina Belafonte, is on it with her documentary about her dad's singer song, uh, Harry Belafonte. But ah. so... Yeah, so uh, obviously she's really excited about that. We're all very excited for it. Um, and, but these shortlists, they kind of roll out about this time, end of November, beginning of December. And, uh, and uh, you know, fingers crossed that we make the next hurdle. To, to make, to make the, the place we are right now is great and wonderful, and uh, we're all very excited. But to make this, this next cut is a pretty deep one from 75, 76 films down to 10, and then from that, uh, in the end of January, they pick their uh, three to five nominees. Fantastic. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So the film, you know, it's a uh, it's a drama. It's a uh, 
sorry, uh, Sally plays the lead actress's mother. The lead's played by Corinne Becker, who's a, a wonderful young actress. And uh, it's, a, it's a tumultuous film. It's told in a, almost like a dreamlike state. And, uh, you know, I think some of the attention we've gotten for the film is that it, it's, not, it's not a traditional narrative, and it really does, you know, the short film, uh, the short film format really lends itself to doing something a little bit different, you know. So, so I think uh, the storytelling style of the, of the movie has been, has been a big chunk of the attention we've gotten. Well, what struck me when I saw it is that it, it, it seems like a very true-to-life slice of life, as opposed to being a narrative like here's the beginning, middle, and end. It's kind of like I, I felt like I got dropped right in smack dab in the middle of this girl's, uh, for lack of a better term, I guess just almost a day. I mean, even though it seems like more time takes place. Um, you know, right in well, yeah, the, right, and, right in, go ahead. And, and well, well what, it, what, it, what I was really trying to do is, that, you know, when you experience life, it's, you know, it's not like you're watching a sitcom where everything is just A, B, and C. Not, you know, right. thoughts in your head and experiences don't really happen to you linearly. And everything that, everything that affects you uh, then sparks memories of how you got there and you compare and contrast and suppose against the other experiences in your life. And that, that was, uh, that was some of the initial, uh, inspiration behind making the film is, you know, could, you know, I've always been interested to try to do something like that, make a project like that, where it felt like you were in five different, you know, times at once and they were all just kind of flooding someone and, and, uh, and how would that play out? So you'll notice in the, in the editing and, and folks listening, you know, you can watch the film in its entirety on the net. If you just go to AfricanChelsea.com, there's a there's a link to watch the film on the online, um, and you'll see that you know there's the the, the editing uh, the editing style and it is very it's overlapping and it's cutting it's forward it's backward and uh, so so really it's it's really about trying to show a lot of different time and experiences at once. Oh well, and and I think you succeeded. You know, it it's it's uh, I. I got the sense, you know, that that uh, I kind of got thrown right in to, as I was saying, right into her uh, life. But right, I mean, it, it's kind of stark. I mean, it, it was an interesting, um, you know, what she does, where she's at. Um, I didn't feel so much a viewer as I felt personally, like like I was I was there. I mean, does that does that make any sense? Well, you know, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. And, and what that goes to, a, a long time ago, I saw the first, um, one of the first films that was shot on digital video was a movie called The Celebration. And it, it's a foreign film, and it, it took place at a family uh, wedding. Uh, I'm sorry, a, a family reunion. And it was shot on, on the first batch of digital video. And so it, it had a very grainy appearance. I saw it uh, in a theater here in L.A. And what what I took away from that is similar to what you just said. It's almost like you're watching home videos or you're almost like watching your memories. Um, the style of African Chelsea, there's a lot of handheld, but there's also, you know, when people see the film, especially on, on the Internet, the, the look of the film, we used a, we used a lens that, that bends. So you have to you bend this lens and you decide which portion of the frame you want to be in, in focus. And 
I, I, you know, it, it's a device that's used a lot of times in dream sequences and flashbacks and, and films and, and that sort of thing and, and television. But I wanted to do the whole thing with that because, because again, it's, it's, it's her active, um, you know, thoughts and remembrances of, of her mother and uh, the other events that got her to the place. And I don't want to spoil it for the viewers, but uh, the movie starts and, and, uh, and finishes at the same place, which is at the end of the film. And and the, the name of the lens is this Baby Lens? What, what? Uh, it's called a Lens Baby. Lens Baby is actually the company name, and they and they have a, a line of these different lenses. And um, yeah, it's each one offers uh, varying levels of this effect. And um, and yeah, that's it's just a way to really crush the um, the the depth of field. You know, you you, you throw your subject. Right in the foreground, and if, you, if your background is farther than you know, fifteen, twenty feet away on a normal size lens, it'll it'll get nice and soft. Or if you you know zoom in on like in a hundred mil lens or something like that, you can make that effect a lot more pronounced. But this lens, it's just a it's a fixed thirty five millimeter lens that then you decide what portion of the frame is in focus. So obviously, I would frame it so the actor's face is in focus, and sometimes. Uh, during the film, like you'll notice when Tosa um, Tosa plays the bouncer in the movie uh-huh. and ends up rescuing African Chelsea, uh, he you'll notice it was just his eyes that are in focus, and uh, it was such a close shot that the rest of the frame just falls off to stop right around him. And uh, and that's you know it, it's it's a, a a big reason I did that is because I knew most people would be watching the film on the internet. Um, I did see the movie projected at the Catalina Film Festival. They had it on their, you know, 80-foot screen, and, and it looked amazing. But, you know, to a lot of these effects and looks like that, um, you've got to be you got to be really forceful with it for the effect to come through on a small screen on the Internet. So that was a big reason why we shot with that lens. Well, I thought it was interesting, the difference between, say, somebody walking, you know, at a distance using the lens versus, like, when she's... Um, out of her bathroom sink, and how it, it it forced the attention on whatever was going on because obviously the the, the peripheral sides of the le- you know of the frame are are not in focus. So it 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 you know you know I it especially when she was at the bathroom sink that in doing what she's doing there that wow you know this is uh, I guess it forces you to really pay attention. Well, and you know, I think when you do a, a project like this that isn't conventional or narrative, I, I think you use every tool at your disposal to make the audience know that it's not just a bunch of crap thrown together and here's a short film. You, you know, oh. whenever possible, you've got to raise the level of specificity. So, because I, I do like handheld format, I do like kind of a, a loosey goosey, um, uh, spontaneous approach to the edit, uh, but. Uh, I do want the viewer to know that it's all there on purpose. (laughs) Right. A lot of times, you know, you see a lot of movies and and it seems like when in doubt, go to slow motion and do a, do a fade and it dissolves it. And there's the credits. You're like, Oh, that's that's not like a cheat, you know, but this, so so things like that, when you're talking about, you know, what's in focus, what isn't, I mean, that, you know, all those decisions were actually made. And uh, so anyway, Oh, very cool. How long did it take to, to, to shoot? Well, how long from, you know, development to post did it take, and then how long was the actual shoot? 
Um, I came up with the movie. Um, a friend of ours, uh, Kiri, said, hey, I'm going to a birthday party in uh, in East Los Angeles at this bar. And uh, we went there, and, and Corinne, who was the lead actress, she was with us. And we, they, we, the three of us got there, and they went inside, and they said, oh, our, our group's not here. We're going to go grab a drink and wait for them. So I started chatting with the bouncer, and, and we had a nice little chat. And about five minutes into it, I said, you know, you should really be in front of the camera. You have a great look. And it was Tosa. And uh, he goes, really? Well, I'm a, he goes, I'm a business student. I'm not, I'm not an actor. <laughs> and uh, which is rare for me. You know, I, 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 you know, honestly, I don't like doing that because there's, there's a heck of a lot of people out here who are actively trying to get in front of the camera. So I don't right. do it very often. But you know what? You don't see many six foot eight Nigerian dudes who have such a presence that Tosa does. You know, it's not. You know, I can find you. You know, three hundred. Uh, white guys in their mid twenties right now that that look like they belong in the CW, but uh, uh, just a look and a presence and a gravitas that Tosa has, you just don't uh-huh. come across it every day. So I told him, I said, we, I, I'd love to do something with you as an actor, and, and he's like, well, I guess I, I goes, I'm not saying no to the idea, but I have no experience. I, I don't really know what you're talking about. So the next week, I got flown to New York to. Um, it was a commercial. It was a it was a food hunger campaign commercial uh, aligned with a grocery store chain. They flew me out to uh, New York. We filmed that, and I, I'd been kind of thinking about this. You know, okay, Corinne is the actress, and now Tosa, and and, and I I knew that uh, you know I, I might be able to get Sally involved. And so on the plane ride back, I was like, wait, you know, he's a bouncer at at a bar right now. How about if he's a bouncer at a strip joint? Corinne's a dancer, and something happens, and he ends up having to, you know, help her out, and Sally plays her mother. So came up with the idea on the airplane, uh, and then I think I called Sally maybe a week later, and then we shot a week after that. It, you know, it's a short film. It's only seven minutes long, so the shoot was, you know, it was separate, two separate days, but I think the whole shoot was about eight hours total. Oh, very Well, that's very cool. Um, what was it that that moved you actually to tell the the story of African Chelsea? Um, when I saw the movie Crash that Paul Haggis did, that mm-hmm. really made me start thinking about how everyone is really got his own cross to bear. That everyone, you know. It's easy. It's, it's easy in every town, but I, I noticed it a lot more here in Los Angeles that the discrepancy of um, you know how much money someone has or how much success someone has. You know, you pull up to a red light here in town, and the person next to you could be in a Ferrari, and you know that like a year ago they were waiting tables because now they're on the big hit show. And I've right. seen it. I mean, I've, I've known I've known people personally that literally one year I was buying them lunch. And literally the next year, they're the cover of Rolling Stone and Premier Magazine. Blah, blah, blah. It's just you really can explode from nothing to huge stratosphere out here. It's, you know, what I, what, I tell, what I tell actors who get frustrated by that, I say, you know, hey, people win the lottery every day, too, and the odds are about the same. Um, but it does happen. Right. It, it, it really right. does happen. And so when, when I saw that movie, it really started making me think about this this underlying fabric that connects us together that people really don't talk about. Um, you know, Los Angeles is a car culture. So you're in your little, you're in your box at your apartment or your house and you get in your car and then you go to your office and everything is very sectioned off. But 
um, I was interested in, in t- uh, telling a story about uh, empathy and about understanding uh, how someone maybe got to the position they're in. And, and you know, I, I think that those are the projects that most interest me, you know, the ones that really talk about human nature and, and, um, and, and really, you know, Corinne's character, Chelsea, I think you feel empathy for her right off the bat. You, you can tell that she's someone who is doing this battle, if you will, on her own, and uh, and that's something that really speaks to me. Being a, you know, I've been a working director out here for 12 years now, and you know, uh, independent films and commercials and da da da. So I've literally met thousands of actors and actresses, and it's a it's a tough road. It's not a you know, and and you know, I, I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Minnesota, and I know that. You know, people back there are like, oh, you know, I've got four feet of snow on the ground. What do you mean? You got palm trees and beaches, and you know, it's all it's all wonderful and paradise out there. But it's really not the case. It's a it's it's a very tough career choice, entertainment industry to begin with, but especially the talent side of it. And even though you know, Corinne's character plays a, a stripper, um, it's really about someone coming here who's not from this town and trying to survive somewhere in the entertainment industry and you know, how does someone end up in that position? So that really interested me. Oh, that's fascinating. And and you're right. I mean, you know, I, I always have told people that, you know, you could move to Hollywood, you could chain yourself to a studio fence, and you could be there until you die and people just walk by you. You know I mean? It, it doesn't secure. It doesn't secure. And I love Los Angeles. I find it very friendly and very welcoming on the one hand, and at the same time, very apathetic and very uncaring, and even downright brutal or hostile on the other end. And it's it's between those that that somehow people survive. And uh, but it's manufacturing. You know, you're, you're, I everybody I think no, I shouldn't say everybody, but people think of it as art and as entertainment, and and kind of in the business of manufacturing that, like you would manufacture a car or a motorcycle there's there's you know and then there's that creative component to it so it's 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 uh very i think very different than most people actually anticipate or expect and then when they get there they kind of go oh geez wow so there's a there's a great line in the movie swingers john favreau says uh yeah when i first moved out here i thought they were handing out tv pilots at the airport (laughs) 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 and uh and, you know, it's real, like you said, I mean, you know, the town hits you with a sledgehammer. Well, I, so I, I grew up in Minnesota, and then uh, my folks, my dad uh, was with a phone company, got transferred to New Jersey, and then transferred to Chicago. And I was in Chicago then, right around like 17, 18, and I said, I'm moving to Los Angeles. And I really found it interesting in Chicago, the people I would tell that to were like, you know, who do you think you are? You're going to move up to Los Angeles. They already have directors out there. You know, you're going to be back in six months, and and all that sort of thing. But, you know, what I found most interesting when I pulled off the 101 at the Melrose exit, you know, back in 97 or whatever year I got here, what I found most interesting is, boy, it's not a hobby in this town. You know, in in Chicago, you know, you're in a play and everything's great and you make a couple extra hundred bucks that week or whatever, but it ain't a hobby in this town. You know, people feed their children with the entertainment industry and that's, and it's a totally different stance to look at it from. I've known other friends who come out here from Midwest or abroad, and that that hits them as well. That this is this is a company town, and it's it's the entertainment industry, and it's taken very seriously. So, so you're right. It's a, you can ha- you can definitely have two existences in this town. You can you know get get a 
a cute apartment in a nice neighborhood and spend weekends on the beach and, and really enjoy that paradise lifestyle. But, you know, <laughs> I was watching a documentary about writers and they said, you know that scene in Schindler's List where they all get off the boats and they all get mowed down, but a, a few of them make it through to the actual beach in the storming of Normandy. And he goes, the reason that the troops got in the boats, they, they, they never think it's going to be them to get gunned down. It's going to be the other guy. And then you go, that's... <laughs> That's that's what that's what coming out to Los Angeles and try to get in the entertainment industry. Everyone else could get gunned down, gun down, but you'll be the one standing. So, <laughs> you know, I uh, I, I had uh, lunch. I, I had a reunion with people from 35 years ago in Los Angeles, directors and actors and, and stuff like that. And we we had uh, a lunch and 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 uh, so as as as. So, I don't know. I, I want to be careful how I say this, but as older men may be prone to do, they tend to hit on the waitresses in <laughs> restaurants, you know, who are who are cute and probably an actress. And of course, this one was. And uh, and uh, but the story revolved around this particular director saying, you know, I was in a, in a in a restaurant and busy on my computer, and somebody said, "Oh, are you a director?" And he said, "Yeah." And he said, "From under the table." People pulled their pictures and resumes that they had taped um, the waitstaff and just came over and started hand, <laughs> handing him pictures and resumes. And uh, and but this particular young actress girl could have been. I mean, as friend, she was very very friendly, but she was just not. You could plain to see that that, that none of these old guys were going to be able to charm her. You know, she was just, she was just, she was great. Now, having said that, in the mid, you know, because, and I'm in L.A., or if I'm in the Midwest, I, I'm very prone to say, you know, are you an actor, are you a writer, are you, you know, you're studying film, and, and because so many of the waiters and waitresses are in Los Angeles. In the Midwest, if you say, what do you do besides waiting tables, they say, I, that's what I do. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, yeah. I mean, it's a, and, and with, I don't mean that in any disrespectful way. That 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 is a it's a valid job. It's just that in L.A., that's one of those jobs that people utilize because they have a better, a more flexible schedule, so they can get to auditions and, and do things. Whereas the rest of the world, that's part of the service industry, and that's just what they do, or or their students, you know, in college, but. Yeah, when I was uh, casting Playground Girls, I had a stack of headshots and went to lunch. Uh, my old office was on the on the lot. It's called the lot, but it used to be the Warner lot on Formosa. And I went to the the commissary there and got some lunch and had a stack of headshots. And the waitress comes up, so what are you doing? I said, I'm directing a, a small film and you know, oh, casting. And just like you said, about eight of the staff came over and just set their shots down. Hope you'll think of us, you know. <laughs> like, well, oh, you know, I guess that's you know good for them, you know. And and you know, you learn a lot from that sort of forwardness. I tell you, you know that. Everyone talks of well, the, the the group of people around the short film African Chelsea, and and now the L.A. Times is doing an article about it. They've interviewed interviewed me four times and sent a photo photographer oh, wow. out with me to ASM. Um, mm-hmm. They're they're writing a story that the gist of it is called the world's smallest Oscar campaign, <laughs> and uh-huh. and what what and you know their big question was how how are you getting the word out what makes this the world's smallest Oscar campaign and, and what's your main tool and i said well you know it's i i haven't you know rediscovered the wheel here but the thing that i have been doing that i think is forgotten a lot of times is i've literally just been talking to people about it and every you know i i created and executed multi-million dollar ad campaigns for many years uh, to the, you know, biggest, you know, Fortune 100 companies. Uh, and, 
you know, who obviously had big pockets to throw lots of money at uh, getting the word out, whatever their message was. And what I found very interesting is that Los Angeles is a small town. And when you talk to people, a lot of times there's a connection based. Um, for instance, I was at a party at a place called the Paley Center out here, the Paley Center for Media. It's a um, high-end media think tank, if you will. And they had uh-huh. a, a party, and they had one of the DJs from the from NPR there, and she was kind of talking live and da da da. And between her on the air, I went up and chatted with her, and I said, "Hey, I've got this short film. It's it's qualified for the Oscars. You know, do you know any way that I can get on the radio, da da da, and talk about it?" And she goes, "Well, first of all, if uh, if." my husband was half as forward as you, we'd have a bigger house. <laughs> and she goes, oh, and by the way, he's a he's an Academy voting member, so I'll talk to him about your film. And I was like, oh, well, thank you very much. And that's, that, you know, things like that have been happening. So it's been, it's, 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 you know, you don't want to be too much of a car salesman. You know, it, it started with art, and, and I, I want that to be the final you know, I want the film to live on its own merits, but the fact of the matter is there's so much noise out here, well, in the entertainment space to begin with. You know, 8% of male viewers, I think it was two years ago I read this stat, uh, literally just stopped watching television. They're, they're game now, they're online, da-da-da. So there's so much other things out there competing for people's attention that, uh, you know, I, I feel it's really my duty as a filmmaker to do everything I can to help get the word out. And part of that is just literally talking to people nonstop about the film and encouraging them to watch it and spread the word. Oh, absolutely. And and I have to take a, a short little break here, uh, Brent, but we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about that in just a second, okay? You bet. All right. Uh, for everyone else, you're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The official website is rexsikes.com. All of the interviews are stored right there, archived at the interviews blog, as well as uh, podcasts available on iTunes, absolutely free. Uh, please share this, these links and these interviews and podcasts with all your friends and industry connections and make them available for others to listen, learn, and enjoy. Uh, my upcoming guest tomorrow will be uh, Director Peter Marshall, he uh, is, as you may be aware, uh, we're conducting the director's series. This will be part 11. We've been talking about pre-production, the script breakdown, and, and a whole host of things. So I want you to join us live and in the chat room or listen archived as well. And then I've got lots more guests coming up, and I'll keep you posted as to uh, who they are and when they'll be. All right, so we're back here um, talking about African Chelsea and uh, with the director, uh, Brent Roski. I'm... I'm you know, I'm so sorry. I'm not sure I'm even pronouncing your last name correctly. Oh, Roski. You're close enough. <laughs> Roski. Roski. Well, you know, bonehead me, you know. <laughs> so I apologize, Brent. No, um, not at all. Roski. Okay, Brent Roski. Very, very good. You know, today has been one of those weird things. So Brent and I were on the phone, and I said, oh, we got about two minutes to go, but and my timer on the show was absolutely wrong. And so the next thing I knew, right when I said, you know, we'll be going, I, uh, all of a sudden it said, you've got five seconds, and, and suddenly we were on the air. So um, it kind of caught me off guard and by surprise. But... Uh, I'm enjoying this very much. Again, uh, you can watch African Chelsea by going to africanchelsea.com, and the link is there. Let me just spell it for you. It is A-F-R-I-C-A-N-C-H-E-L-S-E-A, africanchelsea.com. 
Um, now, Sally Kirkland, you mentioned that you, you know when you when you, you thought of the movie that you could maybe get Sally and you called her up. Um, was it was it? I mean, so you did cast her, but was it hard to get her to do it, or was she just like, sure, no problem? I mean, how how does that go? Well, I'd met Sally a few years earlier, which certainly helped. I met her on the set of a Henry Jaglum film. I've known Henry since uh, I met him in '99. And he asked me, uh, strange coincidence, I hadn't seen him in about a year and a half, and I was getting on a plane to fly to Athens, Greece, to direct a series for NBC called Athens on Location for the Athens Olympics. And and I looked up, and there was Henry Jaglum on the same flight. I said, what are you doing? Uh-huh. And he goes, well, I'm, I'm flying to Zurich with my family. We're going to be there a couple weeks because that's where the layover was. And he goes, you know, I'm shooting this new movie called Hollywood Dreams. Would you want to come and shoot, uh, like, the the behind-the-scenes thing for the DVD? And I said, I'd be happy to do that. So I did the shoot in Athens. And then when I got back, I went up to um, Zach's house, uh, the actor who's in it. And they were filming up there, and Eric Roberts was there, and Seymour Cassell was there. And I met Seymour that day. And Seymour and I have done some projects. I actually just saw him at the Cronenberg screening, Dangerous Method, and that was great to see him again. But Sally was there, and uh, Karen Black was there. Uh, and Sally and I didn't talk very long that day, but we did chat. And she's, you know, Sally is just one of the sweetest people on the face of the planet. Um, she's a welcoming person. She's she's interested and fascinated by other people. And she, I mean, she wants to know you, and, and she's just a, a loving, generous person. So uh, I thought that, uh, and then, of course, I've seen her work. I'd seen uh, Anna that she was nominated for, and no, right. uh, and I knew that she could really bring that fire and bring that level of drama as well. Um, and it was, you know, it all came from the, the short film idea came from uh, last year when I was watching the Oscars, and when Melissa Leo won for Best Supporting Actress uh, for The Fighter, they mentioned Sally's name because Sally, in uh, back in the '80s, had taken out a couple ads for her campaign, just like Melissa Leo did for the fighter. And they mentioned Sally's name, and then it was the next week when I was on the plane and I thought about really putting her in this. But I figured if I'm going to make a short film with the idea of really getting it out there, I figured that someone like Sally who's got, you know, who's known for uh, really getting behind a project and, uh, you know, it's interesting. When I, before I was in the entertainment industry, I just assumed that after you make a movie that the actor is going to go out there and talk to people about it. But it's really not the case. Uh, it's, it's really a contractual thing. And <laughs> the last decider is if them and their representatives really like the project. And, and uh, you know, a lot of times you won't see actors out there afterward for whatever reason uh, promoting the film. But I figure, you know, Sally would be a really great to work with, an honor to work with, and she could be a good partner uh, in spreading the word once it was finished. So, um, so there you go. Does, now she's notorious for her uh, Anna Oscar campaign. Um, how, can you describe how she is supporting uh, your film? Well, the, the thing about uh, the thing about Sally is that it. You know, she has been a working actress, you know, for, what, 50 years now. She turned she turned 70 on Halloween. And oh, my, it, really? It, wow. Yeah, and, and uh, I saw her. I had breakfast with Sally, I want to say a week ago, at the Silver Spoon, which has been her favorite place now for the whole run of that. 
uh, sadly, Silver Spoon just got sold, so it will be yeah. names and and her, you know, the poster of Sally and and the pictures of her with all the, the other folks. All that's getting taken down. But um, so what she's been doing is, when completely appropriate, she's been sending emails and phone calls, and she's been doing interviews and and all these wonderful things that that you know actors and actresses on huge motion pictures sometimes don't even do. But she's just such a sweet person, and you know, so she she's just really been participating, and uh, and that's been a that's been a real treat. She, uh, you know, when when I first the Hollywood Reporter um, they put up some video pieces when we went to the Cannes Festival with this movie, and the first one we shot was uh, Sally and I at her apartment, and just talking about the film, and and really her level of enthusiasm when she first saw the film was a huge reason that I've had the the confidence to really do my best to push it out there. You know, if, if your cast isn't behind your movie, it, it feels like you're fighting a war with one hand behind your back. And uh, so when the when the cast supports it and, and are, are happy with the way it comes out, that really gives you energy and fuel to go out there. Oh, that's very cool. Do you, do you, Brett, do you, do you believe that filmmakers must campaign in order to get a nomination? I mean, I don't think many people understand the workings of, of, of the Oscars in and of themselves in any of the categories or how this all goes. And, and the level of advertisements and the level of, of things that go on. What, what, what do you, what do you, what do you think in, in terms of getting a nomination? Well, certainly I'm not an expert, and I haven't been nominated yet. I sure hope we do, but, you know, uh-huh. this is this has always been um, – there, there's other reasons why we did the short uh, to, you know, to, you know, to continue working narrative structure, um, and there, there's many reasons why we did the short, one of which is certainly in the hope of getting nominated. But So I'm not, I'm not an expert by any means, but I, I will tell you um, – I think things have certainly changed. I think after after last year, you know, that was a that was a huge point of discussion was Melissa Leo taking out those ads. And I remember thinking at the time that I thought she would get um rewarded for that because, you know, at the end of the day, every single person in the conversation wants it. And sometimes this game that's played out here of Oh, you know, the studio did this or da da da, and that's that's fine, that's wonderful. I'm I'm not I'm not speaking badly about it, but I think people really appreciated the fact that she was saying, hey, you know what, I I'm a working actress, and this is something that that I'm going for, and it, it wasn't it wasn't some make believe Hollywood notion of oh, I think she's excited about it, and and I felt that that would get rewarded because, you know, in it seemed. <laughs> It seems like with new media, we've all turned into this this digital idea of ourselves. You know, Rex, you and I are now finally speaking, at least on the telephone, but it's been emails and through the publicists and et cetera up until now. So I've I've been dealing with a guy named Rex now for a couple weeks, but that's our digital expression of ourselves. Right, right. when When you cut through all that and you just say, no, this person, Melissa Leo, is trying to achieve this goal i i think i think especially now that really resonates with people so um again that goes back to me saying you know the biggest tool that i've had uh in our little quote-unquote oscar campaign is literally just myself and, and the cast members talking to people about it 
that's um that's how we got the the great quote from Norman Lear, who was so generous and gracious to give us that lovely quote saying he yeah. thought the film was wonderful. And, and um so as far as as far as your question, do filmmakers have to campaign? I think filmmakers have to just like a coach of a college football team has to go before the press afterward, whether they won or lost, and talk about strategy. I think it's the same for a filmmaker. You've got to you've got to be the one out there leading the charge. And um, you know, when when you know my publicist, when she sends an email, certainly, I mean, she's wonderful and she's you know gets great response. But it does get a different level of response when I email someone. I say I'm the director of the project. It, it's it, I don't know. I I feel, and I, I hope I'm correct, that that level of just really that level of honesty um, is uh, is taken well, and uh, and we have gotten great response. Well, I I think that no one likes a braggart, but people like a person who is confident in their work, and that and especially as a director, your work is not just your work, but it's all the people that you're supporting. Or, and or putting to work, you know, you as a director and or a producer. So so I I think that when somebody can stand up and say, you know what, this is my film, I'm very proud of it, and I'm proud of all the people who, who had a role in, in helping us bring it to the screen, I, I do think people gravitate to that. I think I think people respect that far more than, than if you say, well, you know, I did a little, you know, and are, and are deprecating and, and, and you tend to downplay it. There's There's a sense of, you know, you're all in it together. You know, and whoever that front person is is, is you. You know, uh, and you know, two distinctions on that. I I I think you're right, but also, you know, making this movie, it, I, I again, I feel it's my duty as a filmmaker because the actors did do such a good job. And let's be real, you know, I've been a, I've been a director for 12 years out here, and everything you direct, when you watch the the first or the 20th cut of it, you might not be happy with the outcome. So it's uh, it's 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 gratifying uh, to get to the finish line with a project that you, you do feel, you know, African Chelsea to me is the movie I wanted to make when we started the project. And so oftentimes that, that isn't the case, be it, you know, the, the different powers that be or the different influences throughout the way. And, um, and you know, honestly, the fact that Sally uh, accepted the role and was in it and did such a good job, and then, you know, Tosa and Jalone and Corinne, who did such a great job, um, you know, if 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 I'm not out there telling people, hey, see these guys' great performances, then it's almost like I'm I'm not doing my job because they they deserve yeah. that. They accepted, you know, they they did hard work and good work in a in a very small project, and you know, I I owe it to them. Absolutely. I mean, I I, I couldn't agree more. That's very cool. Um, I'm, I apologize because I had the quote from Norman Lear and I cannot find it. And I've been searching here while we've been talking because it was really nice. And I don't know. Yeah, Norman, uh, through acquaintances, friends, and family, sent Corinne and then called her, the lead actress, Corinne Becker, who did a great job, sent her a lovely email and then and then said, here's a quote you guys can use for the film. And it said, uh, African Chelsea is a wonderful film. And its lead actress, Corinne, is a lovely actress, and uh, and it was just you know he's just a, a sweetheart of a man, and I, that was that was a great day. <laughs> uh, that's very cool. That that's very cool. Well, let me ask you, you know, about uh, Emmy nomination. What is, what is a commemorative Emmy? 
Uh, the Emmy. So I was nominated in 2006 for uh, the first Emmy for Broadband Entertainment. Uh, Fox's show 24 was nominated along with my little show called Sophie Chase, which was a, a bit like uh, it, uh, NBC made a show called Chase that was somewhat based on it. Um, it's now off the air, so there's no legal problem with me saying that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, so that was 2006 was the Emmy nomination, and then uh, I was an associate producer on a sports documentary about Tiger Woods at KNBC uh, called Tiger One One and commemorative Emmy. It's kind of like what the Guild, which I'm a member of, has been fighting. Well, I, I shouldn't say fighting; they've actually just been uh, working toward making a clearer distinction on what it means to get a Best Picture Oscar. What, what does it mean to be a producer on a project and who gets that accolade? A commemorative Emmy is a way for the Television Academy if a project says, okay, he was uh, integral to the process uh, but surpassed the number of producers listed on the thing, then, then they're allowed to say, yes, let's get him a commemorative Emmy on it. So I, I do have the Emmys on my desk. It looks great. Um, so it's a commemorative in that um, it's it's like the the fifth producer on a project. So there you go. Oh, very cool, very cool. How was it to cross over from your work as a creative director uh, and into uh, directing and uh, filmmaking? Well, and television? it actually worked the reverse. I when I first moved out to Los Angeles, I made a movie called Playground Girls, and it was okay. a, it was a very dreamy. Uh, a crazy movie again shot on digital video we shot the movie in three days for a hundred dollars and then it showed at the Lemley here and as you mentioned it showed at MOCA with the National Tour of Basquiat which was a great thrill uh, to see it there and um, I got a call from the museum they sent out an email to their members and they called me 15 minutes later and they said it is sold out in 15 minutes wow. <laughs> really? okay. so it was, wow. uh, it, was, it was fun to show it there um, and that movie you know, you'll see influences of of African Chelsea in Playground Girls, and that it's it's not straightforward narrative, and there's forward and back timeline and and that sort of thing. But you know, honestly, that was that was '99. How many you know over a decade ago, and and during that decade has been me, you know, doing mostly television work professionally, and that you know you want to sharpen your skills and really work your craft. Uh, you know, I would. I've directed a commercial in the morning, edited in the afternoon, and then, then had it been on NBC that evening. So that oh, level wow. of, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> people say it's like when the Beatles spent that spent those uh, ten months or whatever in Germany playing four shows a day or whatever, and they really homemade craft. Well, that was my time at NBC, and I was very grateful to be over there. And, and uh, this year, just this, decided I really wanted to get back in the narrative storytelling, which is why I came out here. So. So it was, uh, it was fun. Fantastic. Let me let me just announce that we have a friend of yours online here. In just a second, I'm going to bring her on. She's on the phone and she's waiting. And uh, she'll probably hear me. But I, I'm going to say that we're going to run out of time. I want to talk to you about your new project, Lake Hollywood. I want to talk more about, about the transition and the directing. And we're going to save that for another show. And maybe she'll, be kind of, maybe she'll be able to join us on the next show as well. We'll make those arrangements. But let me bring on Miss Sally Kirkland. Sally, are you there? Hi. Hi. Hi, I'm sorry, I, I overslept. Hi, <laughs> Sally. <laughs> Hi. That's okay, that's okay. We were talking about you while you slept. Oh, good. Good. So, 
Uh, well, thank you very much for, for joining us, and uh, we're glad to have you here. And uh, I very much enjoyed African Chelsea, and uh, we're encouraging people to take a look at it online. And uh, we'd like to get your thoughts. What 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 was it like for you, um, uh, being in the in the film uh, under well, under Brent? Yeah, Go it ahead. was great working with Brent. I mean, he's an actor's director. He uh, he loves emotion, and he lets you go for it. And um, he, uh, I asked him if I could have time to work up the tears, and and he said, you know, take as much time as you want. And um, and then when I was ready, I I said so, and and he was just right there with the camera, just getting it all. And we didn't have to do it over and over and over, which is tough when you're doing a very emotional scene to do it over and over and over. And he managed to get all those different angles. And um, I love working with Corinne. And um, it was really a joy. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Um, uh, Brett, mm-hmm. you, you guys, can you guys, um, you know, uh, together, uh, we're talking about the uh, the potential for uh being nominated for the Academy Award and being in that process right now, and and I was going to ask Sally how how, um, how what it's like. To, you've been nominated previously uh, for very fine work in, in Anna, and uh, and what's it like today now to be in the in a position where you can you know um, help support this film with its nomination or get a nomination? Oh, it's very it's, it's very exciting. I think um, and we've had such great feedback. Um, I uh, I never heard of um, prior to this moment. I never heard of of uh, anybody campaigning for uh, a short. And I I think Brent is just incredible that he's just really put his his self on the line and said I want everybody to see this film. And so um, I I really admire Brent for doing this and and encouraging me to. To come along, um, it, you know, as you know, um, nowadays uh, for features campaigns cost millions and millions of dollars. Back when I was nominated, you were not allowed to send out tape. You know, um, you certainly couldn't see it online. And um, so what I did was I sent a lot of letters out to members, and um, I. Uh, yeah, I had a couple of copies I moved around, but it, it really was a whole different scenario back then than it is now. And now it's become such a big, big thing. So this is sort of reminiscent to me of the grassroots campaign that that uh, that I did back then, '87. May I ask, do either of you, because um, I do, I'm, I'm giving you a little personal preference here and then ask if you agree or disagree. Um, I long for the days before TV was allowed to have doctors and lawyers and pharmacists and pharmaceutical companies advertise, I mean, I, you know, or magazines. I kind of liked it when it was simple and, and we weren't bombarded by everything. Do you think that the Oscars in that way and the Emmys, I mean, these award shows, that, that things have changed so much where you know you can kind of outspend someone else if you've got the money that 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 it would be nice to kind of return to a a simpler time when 
it, it kind of was by merit alone rather than by um, yeah, I, I pressure. And I think I think uh, you know I think the Oscars has done a really good job of keeping that you know their element very sacrosanct. I think you cool. know they're they're they're, they're and, and that's obviously one of the reasons why it's such a respected organization there. Their rules and and the way they handle uh, the the runs and the campaigns and the awards themselves, that they do an excellent job of it. And I think it has they really kept that church and state line uh, very black and white. I know when I was when I was doing uh, more television commercials in the in the nine years I was doing that, even even in that time frame, I saw a big swing from what you couldn't couldn't do, for instance in and around news coverage and, and all that sort of thing. But I, I, I think the Oscars has held the, have held the line quite well. And, um, and yeah, so that I, I think it's, it's fine in that respect. Uh, that's very encouraging. Uh, Sally? Well, I'm very envious of the people who have the millions and millions of dollars uh, to spend on a campaign. I'll just say that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. Um, wow. Okay, so um, when you say, let me ask you this. I mean, I mean, you you alluded to it, but when you say that Brent is a, an actor's director, and I and I ask this question because so many filmmakers pick up a camera, uh, especially young filmmakers, uh, first time filmmakers, they'll pick up a camera. They they know that they want to get shots, but they may not. I mean, I've worked with a lot of these people, or I've been around them, I should say, where they don't really know how to work with an actor, or especially a seasoned actor, um, to get a performance from them or to work with them to, you know, I mean, in collaboration for for the film. So when you describe Brent as a, an, an actor's director, how, how does he, and for the listeners, how does he assist you in doing these things? He gave you time and, and allowed for certain things, but what other what other kind of components go into to having someone direct like that? Well, we spent a lot of time talking about, um, about the relationship, the mother-daughter relationship, and um, and he was very open to my creative input. For instance, when he he wanted us to sort of um, cradle each other there on the daybed, and um, he said, "Sally, can you um, can you hum a song?" And I said, "Would it be okay if I hum a song I wrote?" And uh, he said, "Sure." And um, that was just so thrilling for me to. Um, to hum the song in that, um, uh, or did I sing it, Brent? Did I sing the words? Yeah, no, yeah, you yeah. sang it. And you know, yeah. what's interesting, Rex. What, you know what you're, what you're talking about. You know, for me, you. you know, what what does it mean? Is that, that you know? Go ahead, Sam. And uh, and so it it gave a really personal personal participation for me in this movie because that that song was just extremely personal to me and um and Brent you know like I, there were a couple of takes I think I didn't like and I asked him if I could do it again and and he was more than welcome to let me you know just feel good about my work and um uh I'm sort of losing your voices are you saying something no and, and you know uh, no. what 
you know, Rex, it's interesting. People talk to me, you know, young directors, like, what, what, what do you think, uh, how do I handle this? And, and when they do difficult scenes and that sort of thing, I think the director's first job is to cast the right people. You know, John Houston said that way back in the day, pick the right people and your directing job right. is so much easier. Um, I think the second thing a director has to do is create a trusting environment where your actors know that, and it, it, sometimes it's just simply stated, you know, our goal here is to do the best performances we can, and you just create that trusting space where they can really go for it, where they, you know, and I don't like, I, I like to cast directors that, that want to, you know, put all their energy behind it and um, and really aren't afraid to go that extra that extra mile in, in front of the camera. So that that's what it means to me. Well, I, I appreciate that from both sides because I think that so often, you know, finding uh, a way to tell a story on film and have the people involved be at ease with one another and have a good rapport and a good trust, um, you know, some some people don't go that extra you know, step to make that happen, and it and uh, and uh, I I think it's an important thing for the uh, probably more important for anything that the direct that up and coming directors learn, you know, how to work with talent, and for talent to learn how to work with directors, and uh, and uh, hence the you know the nature of the show, what to do and what not to do, and I I think you both were voicing that. Um, and Sally, just so you know, I wanted to ask you about that song. I was going to say, did you improvise it? Was it written? How did how did that song come about? Because you know, in the credits, it did it, it list you as as the author of the song. So um, so thanks for sharing that. Well, now let me just say that we've got about four, five, six minutes left remaining in the show today. And uh, Sally, would you be willing to? I think we just lost Sally. Uh, maybe okay. that's what happened. So if, if uh, hopefully she'll call back in in the minutes remaining. If not, um, we will get a hold of her, you know, after the show and find out if we can make arrangements to have you both back at another time and talk. Um, but this has been very cool. Let's just very briefly touch on then your um, your new show uh, coming up, which is Lake Hollywood. And can you talk a little bit about that? You know, there's a couple different projects going on, uh, like Hollywood, and then I'm working on a uh, police drama called Badge, uh, and and there's this other project I'm doing that's uh, more of a death of a salesman type thing. Uh, and as you know, Rex, you go out with many different projects and see which one hits the wall first. But uh, <laughs> right, right. But uh, but the Lake Hollywood, you know, uh, we we've got a great team behind that. Uh, Frank Byers who was the DP on Twin Peaks, and then he also shot, you know, CSI and a bunch of other great shows. And uh, a guy named uh, Joshua Kutcheff, who was a writer on Law and Order SVU. So it's a little murder mystery whodunit, someone in the Black Dahlia vein. So, so that's a fun project. And then, the, and then Badge is an idea I've had actually for a long time, uh, but we're just putting some real muscle behind it. Uh, we're going out to talent and uh, trying to get some great people involved. And it would be a movie that we'd shoot literally in one night, rolling six cameras, and and it would just be a really uh, a really aggressive way to make a feature. So we'll see. You know, in the next uh, th- these next couple weeks are are very uh, potentially a lot of things can happen. Uh, the shortlist for the Oscars comes out in two weeks. The Sundance list comes out the week after that, uh, and then of course all those events and da da da. So it could be a busy awesome. week, or so depending on all that. Is when is how soon we can really you know I can commit my time to 
to what's coming up next. Fantastic. Um, but, you know, back, back to the earlier, you know, point about an actor's director, I just wanted to mention, I, I learned all this from, from a director named James Foley. He, uh, James directed the movie um, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Oh, and yeah. I met James and I said, how in the world did you, I mean, first day of set, you've got Jack Lemmon, Al Pacino, uh, Kevin Spacey, who, who actually, James told me he discovered Kevin the week before, but Ed Harris and, and, and Alan Arkin, heavyweights, real heavyweights. Right. He said, well, he goes, I was, I was scared to death, but he goes, I, I planned dinners with each of them in the weeks leading up to it. And it was just, I, I made sure that their, their people knew that I wanted to have uh, a one-on-one meal with each of them. So he goes, you know, when I sat down across from Jack Lemon, I was worried, but by the end of our three-hour dinner, we were friends, and, and I knew we could have that, that rapport on set. So that, um, that was a trick that he, he taught me, and I've done my best to at least sneak a cup of coffee in whenever I can <laughs> with, a, with, a, with a, someone who's uh, really high up there that I've had a chance to work with. So. Wow. But Sally is back. Well, she I, did, she, I'm back. <laughs> we're glad you are. We we uh, watched you disappear, but didn't know if you'd make it back. So I'm glad you're back. I don't know. My phone went out. I'm sorry. No, um, no worries. So I heard what he just said. Jamie Foley. Is that the name of the yeah, Jim, yeah, James Foley did Glengarry Glen Ross and a, a bunch of other big movies. Yeah, I think I uh, tested for him. Didn't he do at close range? Uh, at close range. Oh, uh, that's yeah. He's a sweetheart of a guy. Yeah, I'm just wondering if he did a movie called um, At Close Range with with Sean Penn. Yeah, it was Sean Penn and Chris Walken, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Sean Penn and yeah. I'm um, wondering I, if that's the same director. I I don't know. I might be able to check that while we're still on the on the line, but, uh, uh, but Sally, but we did, were. Did he tell you? Did you tell him that? that you did have a dinner with me? Yeah, you know, Sally and I had a lovely dinner at the Silver Spoon. We actually did talk about Sally Spoon, uh, Silver Spoon, Sally, but what's interesting, Sally, what's the update on that? Are they going to close it down sooner? What's happening? I know it's your favorite restaurant. Yeah, yeah, I think the end of November or December. Well, now, Sally, this is this is amazing. When when Brent mentioned that, I said, oh, my God, the Silver Spoon. I've been going to the Silver Spoon ever since Schwab's closed. And yeah, I, me I'm, too. <laughs> Well, <laughs> and uh, I just was there last week with Harry Northup and uh, Stanley Livingston and, uh, oh, my God, uh, Frank Hanna, who wrote uh, The Cooler, and, uh, and, uh, and a bunch of people, I, I uh, and they had told me, I mean, I, I've, I've moved from Los Angeles to the Midwest, I go back and forth, I'm raising small children in the Midwest, but whenever, I, whenever I'm back in town, I always stop at the Silver Spoon. Dick Miller's one of my oldest friends. And, oh, yeah, and, uh, Dick, sure. He's yeah. been there for a while. So, so when when Brent said, "Oh, the Silver Spoon," I was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> <laughs> I've done every meeting with every director I've worked for um, in the past. Oh, I'd say um, thirty years there. Oh my God, really? Well, there's yeah. so many people, so many people who come and go through that place, and Bob Forrester's always there, and. Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe I don't know if we should be giving out names, but <laughs> how cool! And Shelley Winters, who who moved from Schwab's to the yeah. Silver Spoon, and so many. She, wow. She was my god. Uh, she was my godmother. Your godmother. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. I remember, yeah, and I remember Shelley particularly from Schwab's when she would bring her dogs in. Yeah, and she brought me in, too. Yeah, well, very, very cool. Well, the silver spoon. Brent was saying, is it verified that it was it was sold and uh, and it's going to re? But it's going to reopen. I mean, they're going to reopen another restaurant there, and likely yeah. that everyone will stay there. I hope so. You know, I hope so. But um, wow, have you interviewed anybody else who has a short? Um, I have. I've interviewed some short uh, producers and directors. Yes. Um, uh, and uh, and but this is very fascinating because this is one that uh, you know people are able to watch online. I was James Foley did in fact direct at Close Range. Just, oh, great! Just, He's a just, terrific guy. But uh, yeah, uh, yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say thanks for looking that up for me. Oh no no worries no worries, um, you know I was telling Brent when when uh, your phone dropped that uh, I would love to have you both back at another time and uh, to further the conversation talk more about you Sally and in your uh, illustrious career and, and to talk to James Moore to about for both of you about what what's uh, coming down the road as well as uh, the things that you've you've both done in the past uh, so if you'd be willing to do that we'll make those arrangements for another time. We're kind of out of time for today, oh, okay. but but I'm so glad that you that you made it on and and uh, glad that you, that you could get a little extra sleep. <laughs> well, thanks for liking African Chelsea. Oh yeah, no, I again, and people can go see it by by uh, going to AfricanChelsea.com, and um, I think also, and and I don't know if the link there, the link that I got took me to uh, IMDb where I could watch it, so. Um, uh, yeah, that's, I that's correct. It, it basically we I, I just uh, I make sure the link gets updated to whoever's playing the best stream of it right now. So IMDb is, oh, okay. is where it'll take you right now. All right. So before we close, let me ask either of you if there's anything that you want to say in closing um, regarding the film or me? I go ahead. Hear you. I'm sorry. Uh, my phone went out again. I'm back. I I said hi. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, I was just saying in closing, I want to allow you and Brent the opportunity to have uh, closing remarks. Um, well, I'm just very grateful that people like you, Rex, are, are you know, doing this um, because it is a, a grassroots campaign and, and the people that have supported African Chelsea are in my heart. Oh, that's very cool, very cool. <laughs> and 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 Rex, by the way, that's one of the many many reasons that everybody loves Sally. I mean, Sally, and I just wanted to say thank you, Sally, for being in the project and just being the lovely person you are. You've just been just so lovely to get to know better. And and uh, Rex, thank you for having us on. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. You you both are fabulous, Kevin. Uh, best wishes to both of oh. you. Uh, the upcoming projects, and I'm gonna—I'll be speaking to both of you in just a couple minutes um, off the air, uh, if you—if you're available, and then—and then we'll—we'll. We'll, we'll sure. My phone's going out again, but you'll find me, right? I will. I will. And if—and if your phone is dead, I'll get you later in the day. But we'll—we'll—we'll we'll, we'll hook up. All Sounds right. Good, so bud. thank. Thank you very much, Brent, Thank you. Rossi, and Sally Kirkland for being here today. I, I appreciate it so much. Um, goodbye for now, and we'll be talking very shortly. All right. Oh, goodbye. great. God bless you all. All right. Bye-bye. 
Again, uh, to my listeners, that was uh, Brent Rosky and Sally Kellerman. Uh, I thank them both fascinating guests, uh, director and actor, for being here today on the show. And uh, I thank you, my listeners, for listening in. And I encourage you to continue to share this uh, website, this, these interviews, these discussions with professional filmmakers, with all your friends uh, by way of Twitter, by way of Google+, Facebook, MySpace, uh, the phone, in-face, person-to-person, whatever you choose. Um, I've got many more exciting guests coming up in the near future. Again, Peter Marshall is my next guest. We continue the director series. You're going to want to listen to that if you're into filmmaking at all. Uh, it's nuts and bolts, how-to, what's important for a director and any filmmaker to know. And then more guests coming up after he. I want to thank you all for joining us in the chat room. It's always great to have you here. Sometimes I can interact more readily than others, and sometimes I can't, but I really appreciate it when you're there. And, uh, again, all of the interviews are archived at... Uh, RexLikes.com and the interviews blog and at uh, iTunes as podcasts as RexLikes Movie Beat. Now, you can become a member or you can become a friend of RexLikes Movie Beat Friends on Facebook by on Facebook by going there and clicking on the like button. And I sure hope you do. As well as please follow me on Twitter if you don't already. It's RexLikes Movie Beat. That's RexLikes Movie Beat. The last word is abbreviated. It's BT. BT, Rex Sykes Movie, BT. All right, everybody. Have a fabulous day. Make your movies, complete your projects, and until we meet the next time, that is a wrap. <laughs>